0: The Knicks are investigated for tampering. Shocker! The uh, the NBA could be facing a lockout problem over star player movement, and and not a scout thinks that uh, well, the Celtics should trade Tatum for KD. All that and more. On locked on NBA. You are locked on NBA. Your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA and the podcast network. Your team every day. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network and co-host over at Locked On Nuggets. His name is David Ramil. You can find him on Twitter at dramil13. You can find him over at Locked On Heat. And Today we're going to bring you all sorts of great stuff. Glad to have you with us. Thanks for joining us and making us your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where you can join the show. Join in on the comments. Always a good time hanging out in the comment section. Let us know your thoughts during the show and we can get to them here. David, as the offseason rolls along, the news Love gets it. gets tough to find for these shows, even as we enjoy a nice respite from the grind of the NBA season. Uh, And the first kind of issue for us to bring up today on the show, we have to get to it. The New York Knicks in in a bombshell. Just (laughs) no one can believe it. The Knicks are being investigated by the NBA uh, for tampering in regards to the Jalen Brunson acquisition. Um, The Sixers are also being investigated on this Hmm. matter. So there's been talk that the Sixers will, will be investigated with regards to James Harden and his deal. The, the league essentially there is worried about handshake agreement between Harden and the team as it relates to if Harden basically agreed to take less money right. now to get more money later, which would be a violation of the CBA. Cause you're not basically not allowed to be like, talk about the next contract before the current contract is up. The next one's pretty obvious. It's, it's Jalen Brunson. It's Jalen Brunson. And uh, his dad being an assistant coach for the Knicks and his agent being the son of the Knicks GM Leon Rose. Hey, look, we don't have to pretend here we're all friends. We're all smart people here in this conversation. We don't have to pretend. We know the deal. My question for you, David Moore is this is because the NBA is going to be so limited in proving things without an absolute, just like hard evidence that you'd have to be monumentally stupid to leave behind a paper trail without hard evidence they can they'll fine they can take away a second round draft pick all these types of things but they're never really going to be able to levy any sort of major impact on this and we've seen this go on for the last couple of years now where all these deals are done the second free agency happens as if they all had 30 second conversations hammering out these negotiations my question for you is is tampering at this point something the league should spend time on What's the upside at this point of the league even investigating this stuff?
1: The easy answer is no. And in fact, I I was preparing for the show thinking to myself, obviously not, because it's just so futile. You can't really prove anything unless you said there's an egregious error on the part of really smart people who generally run these teams and don't leave these kinds of things behind. With the exception of those kind of chalkboard pictures that we've seen in the past, where you have the whiteboard with all your names written out and you've got laid out plans of exactly who you want to sign and when, etc. Uh, with the exception of those kind of moments, which have happened on occasion, uh, obviously they, they try to cover up these kind of mistakes as easily as possible. But I think... It's, it's to protect the fans. It's to at least show, as superficially and fake as it might be, to fan bases across various teams, that they're trying their best to protect the players, to make sure that the teams can resign these players, etc., that there's a legitimate chance here that these deals haven't been worked out days, if not weeks, or even earlier in advance. So I, I think that's what it is. Like I keep having this argument, and I've heard about it before. I, I think you and I have on occasion. The, the whole small market uh ideology that you know if you're a small market team that you're going to be uh it's going to be impossible for you to be able to sign these free agents i've i pretty i i widely disregard that i know that there is you know i I think you're a strong proponent of that perspective to me I, i think it's more indicative that you have a very good team or that you have a very good plan and a very stable front office that allows you to sign players more than being in any one city uh, you know, Toronto fans for years have decried the fact that they can't sign players because they're in Toronto. Then they go and sign uh, Otto Porter Jr. this past year. I know it's not a monumental movement or anything like that, but at the same time, it shows that it, it's more indicative of a player's desire to want to play for whatever city, et cetera. Having said that, again, those fans want to make sure that they have a legitimate chance of being able to retain those players. And I think that's why the, the league has to at least show that they're cracking down as futile as it might be as we pointed out i think they just still have to show and say we're trying we want to make sure that there's some kind of sense of legitimacy here about this whole process even when it's quite clear that it, there isn't like players have to be able to negotiate these deals in advance teams have to be able to negotiate they want to be able to predict their future they want to be able to say i want to play for said city i want to have an understanding of what i'm getting into when i play for said city and having said that, you want to have some kind of a clarification as to what players you'll be able to resign and things of that sort. I just, I understand the fans' perspective, saying you know X team went and swooped in our star player or something to that effect, and so the league has to at least show no, 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 we don't allow that. We don't, we don't allow that those kind of conversations to happen, uh, uh, even though it's pretty widely known that they do happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned um, that uh, kind of a pushback against the small market ideology that, you know, it's more a matter of if you're a good team with a clear plan. And when I think of those teams, I obviously always think of the New York Knicks. But I think to a broader point, uh, to a broader point, I I think really what this gets into is I think it's less about the fans. I think it's more about executives all want to feel like they play on a level playing. Here's the key. Executives want to feel like they're on a level playing field unless they have an advantage. Like, that's, like, how it – this is how it is. If you're the one that's violating the rules, then you are like, oh, this rule isn't really all that important. But if it's an area where somebody else is getting an advantage on you, oh, that's not fair. That's against the rules. Like, in truth, honestly – and, like, I've talked to a couple of executives about this – that one of the inherent issues is there are a lot of situations where you're relying on essentially – A tier, a class is kind of a loaded term, I think, in this sense. But you're relying on front office executives to maintain a status quo, right, through the use of these norms. But you're also saying that it's to those very individuals' benefits to break that norm. And so this has been one of the things that has come up with trade negotiations as well, where everyone was really mad at the Wolves for offering up four first-round picks and two swaps for Rudy Gobert, but I had right. one executive that mentioned to me, like that wasn't with the Wolves. That was like, they're not responsible for keeping the market for the rest of us. Their job is to build the best team possible. Yeah, it screwed us. Yeah. Guess what? That's what they're supposed to do. They right. should try and screw us. I'm trying to screw everybody else. We want to win. We all want to win. And I think that that dynamic is is part of where this gets really complicated. You know, the the Harden thing is clearly like there's just there's zero chance they're going to be able to prove this. I don't even know why they're going through the through the charade of charade of, of even talking about it, where it's like, you know, did you, James, did you did you agree to a, a, a second deal? No. OK, Like where else is there to go with this? Like, I have no unless James Harden wrote a post-it note that was like, reminder, sign a legal contract with intention to break rule later. What What Check. is the, yeah, what's the idea there? So, um, and look, the most of the successful franchises have done this. Uh, the Heat have done this. The the Knicks are not successful. Um, you now, the Sixers, I would say, are a pretty successful franchise. The Rockets have, have done this kind of stuff for years. This isn't going away. And the league could, I guess, choose to get really upfront about it. But one of the restrictions I think that they hit was a couple of years ago, they realized that they couldn't do anything about tampering if it happens on the player level. Do you remember the conversation that happened where it was like Draymond recruiting mid-season? I think it was KD. Yeah. Like, you can't... The, the, the MBPA will never tolerate the the league investigating players' private conversations. That's never going to be something they're going to be able to allow, and as long as that's the case, I don't see any real way for them to effectively manage any of this.
1: No, absolutely not. Again, I I just think it's for show, right? It's just there's no way of proving it again. uh, There's no way of of limiting players talking to one another. And, and, you know, we would want the same kind of courtesies extended to us when we pursue whatever professional opportunities we want and outside of our own jobs as well. Contract, no contract, deal, no deal. Uh, You know, an NDA notwithstanding, you you try to do whatever you possibly can to, to benefit yourself if that means trying to, you know, talk to a team. How many people have taken lunch breaks to go in on a job interview, uh, you know, outside of the NBA? And I think that's realistic. What if, you know, wouldn't that be classified as tampering, et cetera? So I, I think that's pretty clear uh, that it's going to happen and it happens in every walk of life. And, and so I, I don't know. Again, I don't I can't see any reason why the league continues to maintain a sense of, of, of trying to control this process when it's clear that there is no control other than to show the fans we're trying our best. We don't want these kind of backroom deals happening in front of everybody, which is pretty clear. And look, we're, the Brunson situation is so difficult because we're talking about a family member here. Like yeah. do you want him not to talk to his dad? Like do you right. want him to, like shut him down completely and, and be like, "Well, I don't I can't tell you what the Knicks are offering," you know? It's just so it's just so hard to control these kinds of things. And look, you have more and more of this happening all the time. There are coaches, you know, Doc Rivers is a uh, son-in-law, plays for the Warriors, et cetera. I mean, there's just so much going on here um, that it's really difficult to, to limit these kind of interactions. People are human beings and they interact with one another. They're friends. And just because they happen to play for different rival companies or teams, that doesn't mean they're going to stop talking to one another and they're not going to limit their relationships. So I don't know. Um, is there any other reason that you can think of as to why – teams would want to prevent or, or or make a show why the league would want to make a show of trying to prevent this kind of activity from happening
0: i think it mostly just gets into if you're one of the few gms that actually like goes by the rules like this is oh, mitch, mitch kupchak mitch, i mean yeah, yeah mitch kupchak right there's, there's a handful i think that are like no nah, no nah, like we're not supposed to do this like that does try to do the honor system i understand the frustration but at some level it's like look man this is professional sports and this is just like this is another one of those. It's not fair, but it is how it is. Uh, well, you know, I, I,
1: when, when you when you play by the rules, then you wind up giving Timothy Moskov Mothga- Mothga- tens yeah. of
0: billions of dollars. So I
1: don't know. I don't know if it yeah. always works out.
0: Yeah, fair point. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. And, you know, we talked about the MPPA and the NBA. Well, it turns out that there's another kind of facet to all this free agency movement that could be impacting labor negotiations in the coming season. We'll talk about that when we come back on Locked on NBA. But first, I need to tell you about Bilt Bar. If you haven't tried Bilt Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's great joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor It's absolutely amazing. Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Bilt has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite, Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs. They got a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and, of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. These are my favorite. These are, I've absolutely, have, I've already gone through the box of these that they sent us as promos, and I'll be getting my own box in the mail. Uh, the What's great about the chunks are they're not, like, huge. The texture is really nice. It's subtle. It gives you that flavor. It gives you a little bit of that of that texture without being overwhelming. It's awesome. Run the belt.com and snag a box for you and the family. It'll be the perfect treat for them. Or, if you want, just hide away in your own house and keep it for yourself. Like all bell Bars, the new Cookie Dough Chunk Puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty. Chocolate-covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture. And they're all made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently, and it provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You're gonna love the new cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built bar. Go to Bilt.com and use promo code Locked15. L O C K E D15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code Locked15 for 15% off at Built.com. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. <laughs> Back here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us, Matt Moore, alongside David Ramil, talking all things in the league and including, you know, David, uh, we've had some labor peace over the last couple of years. Last lockout was 2011, Oof, 11 years ago, since the days of of the late night pizza runs for the media and all that nonsense and uh, <laughs> looking like a lockout or looking like a season how you and all that. We could be coming up on another one, but it's not because of the money. Uh, Brian Lewis from the New York Post reports on something that was bandied about pretty frequently at Summer League. I heard this from a lot of different directions that there's an expectation that the owners are going to take some sort of movement to try and restrict player movement, particularly the trade the trade requests of stars and they're forcing their way out of situations with multiple years left on the deal. Uh, the summation of the argument's pretty simple. If you're on a four-year contract, why are you asking out after year 2 when you could have just signed, you know, a two-year contract? Which I think is a pretty fair question to ask. What I kind of get to with this though is I don't know how much of this is real versus a threat. And the reason I'm kind of skeptical of it becoming an actual issue is twofold. One, I think trying to legislate it, it's going to be difficult. Do you include uh penalty for a public trade request issued by your agent? Do you make some sort of extreme trade kicker that you have to give money back to the team if you get traded before a certain date? Do you lock them in and just say that we're going to have no trade situations in certain contracts, which I don't know if you know this, that's a terrible idea. Do not get yourselves in a situation where you're having to pay a disgruntled star for another three years. That's only going to result in pain. And so that's like the first question is the enforceability. My second thing is that I'm just simply skeptical that there could be labor strife or a potential lockout of anything that isn't money. The money is why they locked out in 2011 is the owners wanted more of the BRI, basketball-related income, the players didn't want to give up anything the players wound up losing the owners got more money because they're the owners and that's what they do if the owners are not involved in that i think trying to get a coalition around this kind of idea when you're there's two sides that are not going to want to be in, on board with this if there was to be tension over this one would obviously be guys like steve balmer and joe Lacob, and teams that are in an adver- advantageous position to take advantage of the situation like new york And Miami, I would imagine they're not going to want these kind of restrictions. Like, does Miami want a situation where a star can't ask out? That does not sound like something they want. And then the other thing is there's so much money coming in with the new media deal projected that it doesn't make a lot of sense to me for the lower income markets, the cheaper markets, the Charlottes, um, those type of cities, to really stand in opposition of this. You'd have to have an owner in a small market with a lot of dough to be willing to take the hit. I think Herb Simon with the Pacers is going to be like, look, I don't care. I Let's get let's get this going. I mean, we need the money. We want the money, right? There's so much money to be made. So those are my two concerns with why I don't necessarily think this is going to wind up being a labor strife. But the owners are certainly making a big show of it. What are your thoughts on the uh, idea of some labor strife over the issue of star player movement?
1: Yeah, it, it does seem difficult to enforce or, or, or the reality of it actually happening over it because I just... I, I don't know, uh, like to the, the points that you made are all very good ones there. I, I just, I also see that the, the there are, co- you know, teams, governors, whatever, uh, that feel the need to, again, make a show about something. And in this case, the, their inability to retain these players. Like, I, it, I think, you know, I, I can understand already, I can already hear the comments uh, from listeners and watchers about our, our standpoint on this, but like players signed contracts and everybody's like oh you know you you root for x team you root for let's say for the nets in this case you wanted to see these teams play out but things change things change like the team didn't do what they were supposed to do the team wasn't able to keep things together for whatever reason and so the team has to be held responsible it's not it's not kevin durant's fault that he wants some new place somewhere else at least i don't see it that way my perspective is that kevin durant was more than willing to come to Golden. i mean come to to brooklyn and leave a really good situation in Golden State. But he wanted to play in Brooklyn, wanted to play with Kyrie Irving, and then eventually wound to bring in James Harden. But then things changed. Like the team just wasn't able to keep things together, keep the idea of stability enough to, to put together a group that was going to continue to compete for a championship at a high level. And having said that, you know, maybe there was a mistake there from KD's perspective. Maybe he should have realized that Kyrie was too unstable a player to want to pair with. And so now he's forced to play out the rest of his contract again. Like you said, you don't want KD there getting paid tens of millions of dollars a year just to be unhappy. Like he's I I don't see how that benefits anybody. Like you're not going to get any additional fans in the building just to say, well, we're paying him because he's under contract. So you might as well acknowledge and accede to that trade request. Uh, and, And having said that. if 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 we're starting to come to this point in time where like players have this sort of control and and i still firmly believe that they should uh that they should be able to retain the ability to decide their futures even if that changes from year to year uh you know walking or locking out the 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 teams locking out players etc there's just no benefit to it i just don't i don't see how it's going to play out i know that they want to seem like they're proactive and making some sort of change I just don't see how likely it is that a lockout is the type of change that will wind up you know, forcing players to go, you know what, we are under contract. We should stay regardless of how the situations for our respective teams have changed. So I, I, I don't know. Um, is there some kind of clause that they could write into a, a contract saying, you know, the team promised to be competitive, and then in year three they, they decided not to be competitive? Like, look at Donovan Mitchell in that situation. I know a lot of Jazz fans are probably upset about that. But, you know, the, the coach resigned. Uh, he wasn't happy there. They traded Rudy Gobert. Something had to be done. Should Donovan Mitchell want to stay in a situation now where the prime years of his career are going to be wasted on basically a rebuilding effort? And maybe there's some blame to fall on his shoulders for that because he wasn't quite the player that the Jazz expected him to be and they weren't able to go deeper into the playoffs. But now he's forced to play out his deal? Like, I I don't think so. Like, I mean, wouldn't you want him to succeed elsewhere? And, And if you could trade him somewhere where he's happy, where he's able to at least be, you know, at least pretend to be competitive, hey, looking at you, New York. Um, then at the same time, wouldn't you want to get something in return for that if you can send them elsewhere? I don't know. I, that's just how I see it.
0: I think where I come in, I get frustrated when the players are like, everyone talks about loyalty, but then they'll trade us if it's not. It's like, okay, everyone's kind of looking out for themselves. I think if you're yeah. talking, if you're a franchise and you're talking about loyalty, I think that's misguided right? It's yeah. a business relationship, and that's fine.
1: But fans are loyal, and that's where they come yeah. in. It's like they see it from the loyalty perspective, but I mean, yeah. they're not really all that loyal either, because I, I had fans telling me that uh, he should trade Jimmy Butler. Like It's like, <laughs> Jimmy Butler, the guy who just scored 40 points per game? Yeah, sure, why not?
0: Yeah, and I, I get it uh, from from that perspective. I do think it's, but here's the thing is, they may have to ask about trading Jimmy Butler, but I bet they would not have suggested trading Dwayne Wade in his prime. And that's like, there's a difference there. You know, and how you probably build these relationships. <laughs> you probably think so? <laughs> very, very, very cynical, David. Um, I think I, to a certain degree, I do have an issue with the idea of I signed this contract. This is where I really get to. If you want the trade possibility, I don't have an issue with that. You need to negotiate for it in the CBA. Like you need to negotiate a a, a way out for it to be like, hey. You know, after X amount of years, you can issue a trade request and team is like compelled or whatever. You're a union. That's your job. Advocate for your rights. If you don't want to be held to the terms of your contract, then don't sign it or negotiate for a clause to allow you that freedom. Right. My issue is when you're like, yes, I'm signing a four year deal because part of my concern here, not concern. Everybody knows what's going to happen with Brad Beal. Everybody's known forever. Forever. Everybody's known what Brad Beal was going to do, right? He had an injury and missed the bubble. Understandable, bubble's a miserable situation. Shut it down this year with an injury? Okay, fine, taking care of your body, got to do that first. Took the Supermax, got a no-trade clause, and the Wizards are going to wind up with a terrible deal for him despite having dedicated a lot of money. time. Part of this, too, is teams do dedicate a lot of time, money, resources into these players, putting people that they want on staff, getting the trainers that they want. Molding things the the way that they want. These star players have an insane amount of power, and that's fine. But I also don't blame the the teams for them wanting to not just lose them because they're like, ah, eh, I don't want to go be here anymore. I'm out. You sign the contract, sign the two year deal, and then you can leave leave sooner. I do have an issue with the idea that you get everything on your terms, that you get to play for, that you get the money that you want, and then you get to force your way to this place. And you're gonna think about what Kevin Durant's doing right now. Like, I want to play in Miami, but not if you trade Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, or Kyle Lowry. I only want to be there if you trade nothing for me. And same (laughs) with all these other situations. That's where I start to be like, we all have to make kind of decisions here. And if a team is going to go in the luxury tax, it's like, well, okay, we get to compete for a championship, but we have to pay extra. That seems fair to me. So all these type of things, it's tough to negotiate, but I'm with you. I am skeptical that there will be any sort of, like, significant labor pushback over this issue Uh, a lot of this has to do obviously with kevin durant and david brought up an interesting article from over at fox sports that i want to get to in relation to kevin durant and a potential trade to the celtics the question is this here's your tease should the celtics trade jason tatum for kevin durant the answer may not surprise you we'll talk about that next on locked on nba Back here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day and your first listen each and every day. We are free and available on all platforms. David Ramil, who you can follow on Twitter at DRamil13. I'm on Twitter at HP Basketball. And you can follow the show on YouTube. Just search for Locked On NBA. So, David, you sent this over to me. We're trying to f- figure out a third segment today. And he sent over <laughs> this tweet from NBA Central via Fox Sports An anonymous GM says he'd trade Jason Tatum. For Kevin Durant. Quote, I do that before I give them Jalen and Smart. Jalen Brown, obviously, and Marcus Smart. Brown is valued a little less than Tatum because he's not the skill darling. He's a high-level athlete who has developed into a good player. So it's an interesting, I guess, idea in that if you gave up Tatum, you have to give up substantially less. You have to give up way less if you give, give Tatum up in a Durant deal. Like, you could probably do Jason Tatum Derek White, maybe his filler. And then I would say you still probably need at least one draft pick. I think the gap is enough between Tatum and Durant. But you could argue, like, Jason Tatum was the best player on a team that went to the NBA Finals. That's pretty valuable. Jason Tatum has been talked about as, like, not as an MVP candidate, but as, like, a could he be an MVP candidate every year for the last two seasons? He was probably somewhere on the list last season. So I guess my question is, um, do you think this has any merit in terms of the idea of trading Tatum instead of a combination of Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart? Because then you are basically upgrading from Tatum to KD and you retain the young talent that you have, all of those pieces, and some of your draft capital. What do you think about the idea?
1: Absolutely. I absolutely think there is merit to it. And, and I know I mean, it sounds crazy. And I know on the surface, Celtics fans are already saying, but he's so much younger, he's already pretty good, very good, obviously, and why bother breaking it up? But, uh, you know, you're you're retaining that depth. Teams change so quickly from year to year, not just because of trade requests, but because a player can choose to go elsewhere. A team might not be able to afford keeping all these players. But right now, you've got a very good, very deep team in Boston. And if the strength of that team, on top of just the, the clear talent level that they have throughout that roster is also its depth. Why break up that depth while at the same time being able to upgrade one individual position, one individual positional player from Tatum to KD. And I still think it's a clear upgrade too. Like I I think a lot of people will say, Oh, Tatum's just as good. If you know, if not better than Durant, I think those people are clearly Celtics fans and they might be wrong. I, I, I think they're wrong anyway. I still, I feel if KD is healthy, He's the better player than Jason Tatum at this point in their careers, even ahead his age, etc. So having said all that, if you could upgrade to KD, and yes, I understand you know, you'd have to pay him a lot as he continues to age, and who knows how sharp that decline is. But again, you're keeping your depth. You've got another young all-star there that you've been able to retain in Jalen Brown. You've got all those picks. You've got the heart of your team and smart. You're able to keep everything else that you've been able to build over these last few years. That's kind of what the point is. You, you amass all that draft capital and all that depth and all that ingrown talent and everything else that Boston fans love lauding about their team, et cetera. So you can pull the trigger on trade specifically like this, like let Tatum thrive in Brooklyn. Who cares? You're going to be winning a ring next year. That's all you care about, right? As fans, mostly you care about being able to build a championship. Do you want to build a championship the right way or do you want to build it the sure way? Uh, to me, adding Kevin Durant is the sure way of them getting a title in Boston. I I know that they're going to say there's no way he's younger. There's got lots of good reasons for not wanting to do so, but I I think it's a a worthwhile discussion to be having.
0: Speaking like a true, speaking like a true heat fan. I, I love, I love the take Jason Tatum's not worth it. Get rid of him. No, I'm just saying, uh, I think you make a lot of good points. I go back and forth on it. What you really kind of keyed in on there, I think, is, and I I think about this a lot. Do you want to build a a team the right way? You know, build a championship team the right way or the short way? Because Tatum essentially opens your window for longer. Sure. Okay. Tatum's going to be good for another, what, 10 years, probably? Yeah. Around that range, eight to 10 years. KD's going to be good for probably a maximum of four. Right, That's 37, thir- 37 with an Achilles injury, probably gonna see a decline. Yeah. So from that perspective, I think that you get into the question of like, is it worth it to sell out for just one championship? Or is it worth it? Or do you wanna keep the window open so you can have sustainable success? A lot of this gets into the keys of why trading for Durant right now is very difficult. If this was Durant in 2016, right? Yeah. That last year in, in OKC. These are non these are like very obvious questions. He has slipped just enough and is at just a- now I want to say like slipped. I think he was MVP before he got hurt. Absolutely. Right. Like he is a, it, <laughs> he is a he is a 7 foot 50 40 90 shooter. We've never seen anything like KD in the league. Honestly, like the context of how his career has gone has shaped a lot of the narrative. We should realistically be looking at like a top 10 top 5 all-time player with his combination of skill, talent, production, everything that he's done, right? Um, You know, Clay Thompson doesn't go supernova in 2016, and maybe we're talking about him in a whole different conversation. Yeah, But he's here. And at this point, this is one of the reasons why it's so difficult. You give up Smart and Jalen, and you give up a lot of what makes the Celtics great. And now you have KD, but you're missing those things, and you have to figure out how to address those issues. It's the same thing for Miami. It's the same thing for uh, Toronto. It's the same thing for... Phoenix, I wouldn't say it's the same thing for New Orleans because New Orleans hasn't been great, so they don't really have anything to compare it to. Um, I think the idea of trading Tatum, a lot of it rests on how good do you think he can be. He keeps, this is what's, what's really crucial about Tatum. He has these moments, games, stretches, months, weeks, series, where he flirts with, I would say even beyond flirts, he goes on several dates with sheer greatness. Right. Like he's out on the town and you're just like, this is the guy, you know, play. He's a, he was terrible in the finals. He's been a fantastic playmaker. He's been a really good passer. He's a high level defender. That's it though. That's like, it. Like maybe, but, maybe he goes
1: on dates with greatness, but then he likes to take a couple of breaks in between as that relationship <laughs> tends to kind of stagnate too. So
0: yeah. Yeah. He cools out and he, he, he definitely, I'll say this. He's definitely, you know, calling up for a, a booty call Friday night with mediocrity. So <laughs> that's and that's the problem is like yeah. it's like he's not re- is that reliability isn't there versus Durant. You know, Durant's twenty five and eight either rebounds or assists every night. Yeah. Pretty much clockwork. Right. right? Unless you're playing the, this Boston Celtics team, which managed to shut him down. I, I think it's a tough decision to kind of come to. I get the idea of. If you trade for Durant, your team may – on. if you trade Tatum for Durant, your team may honestly be closer to a title right now than it would be if you traded Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, which is a crazy thing to say for how good Tatum is, but the sure. fit makes a lot more sense. I think sure. the question you have to ask is, okay, if you trade if you trade the other pieces for KD, are those other pieces easier to get, and then you get the, both, the best of both worlds? You've got your future and Tatum, because I never think Jalen Brown's going to be a number one. I don't. I personally don't think Jalen Brown's ever going to be a number one. Right. So you lose Tatum, and KD retires, and now it's like, okay, you're you're just another franchise, and you're having to go through the entire rebuild again, but you may have that championship. This way, you might have the championship, but your odds are maybe less of just, like, not going this route. It, it's I think it's a really interesting question to debate.
1: Yeah, it's a great point. Um, I just also you know, again, maybe it's years of following this Heat team is that the future is so difficult to predict. You can do everything. You can take all the steps in the right way. You're a bum ankle from it all dissolving right away. Like you can build the best team, take years to amass all this talent, make the right draft choices, grow, you know, grow the talent in house, have them all be the right fit. And then all of a sudden you're this close to the window of, of you know, you're, you're this close to actually being able to get through the window and then an injury derails the whole thing and shuts yeah. it down. And then a player asks out, et cetera. So I, 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 understand your perspective is like, well, you know, you're stuck with JB, whatever else, four years out the road, once Durant eventually retires, but who the hell knows what's going to happen in four years? Like, I, I mean, Maybe Tatum decides to come back somehow after KD retires or when his contract ends or something. Maybe he decides, you know, I want to go back to where it all started and bring a title to Town or something along those lines. It, it could happen. And so knowing that the future is so unpredictable and you want to be able to take as many chances to win now while there is an actual window to take advantage of, yeah, get the deal done. And that's not just as a heat perspective either. I just think um, that's what you're looking for, right? You're trying to build a team and you're trying to make sure that you can guarantee a championship. KD's your best chance of doing so. I, I think even still at this point in his career, a better chance of being able to win a title with him on the roster than with Jason Tatum.
0: I do love the kind of comparison here, though, of like you representing the Heat view of like, screw it, do it now. Nothing certain. Yeah.
1: Pat I hate Riley, the draft.
0: yeah, hate the draft. <laughs> F them picks. I'm yep. going for it every single time. And I'm like, yeah, right. well, you want to build like sustainable growth. And it's like, yeah, but you may not win a ch- title that way. So uh, <laughs> do not envy those GMs in, in this position to, to uh, debate whether or not they should add Kevin Durant, which is a weird thing to say, but true. All right, that's going to wrap it up for Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us on a Tuesday. Really appreciate you guys listening. Make sure to give us those five-star reviews. And John Corrales and Jake Madison will be back tomorrow with you with another episode. If you haven't yet, make sure to check out Monday's episode uh, the retrospective on the passing of the absolute NBA legend, Beyond Legend. There's no really word for his greatness of Bill Russell. Make sure to check that out. Follow us on Twitter. You can check out Locked On NBA Pods. Until next time, for David Ramil, I'm Matt Moore. We'll see you again next time on Locked On NBA.